big will. <laughs> I fucked it up already. Damn, bro. <laughs> no, no, no turning back. Um, <laughs> we're at, we're at the point of no return here. Tom's not even going to edit that one out. It's the Heavy Hole Podcast with Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. And my co-host today is my bandmate, but more importantly, my friend, Terrell Granham. How you doing, Terrell? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Will, as always. Uh, yeah, man, of course, man. Um, with Yeah, with no further ado, I wanted to get down to it, man. Um, we got, you brought a, a couple of recommendations later, man. We're going to get real funky later and recommend some, some albums and um, it's going to get real crazy. But how you been since the last time the listeners heard from you, man? I've been good, man. I've just been uh, trudging along at work. It's been crazy this December season, but uh, looking forward to getting through the new year and doing more work <laughs> right back at the grind right back to the nose to the grindstone man yeah well there, there's been like some probably a lot more power outages the last few weeks so those wind right yeah it's been kind of crazy luckily i didn't get activated so to speak but some of the other construction projects we've been doing have been going like crazy so yeah hitting yeah. those end of the year deadlines everybody's just like stretched thin right now Good thing you're not working for Tom Baldone. I heard he, oh. <laughs> I heard he that, owes me a couple. Yeah, allegedly. I don't want you to start that on my platform with Tom Bal. <laughs> Shout out to Tom Baldone, man. I don't know nothing about what he's talking about, Tone. But um uh yeah, shout out to everybody out there, man. We hope everybody's staying safe. This is probably gonna be I would imagine this is gonna be our second episode of the new year. First or second episode of the new year. Um coming right at you, man. And um we are trying to step up our recommendation game. Uh, we're going to continue to to try to give people like the best interviews we can with artists, um, big and small, local and international, and that sort of thing, man. As as we look forward to this year, um, also looking to do some more shows, man. Uh, Terrell, since since we've checked in with you last, man, what's going on, man? Anything going on with Thetis? Yeah, I mean we we've been a sleepy band, but we're huh. trying to come back and get some stuff demoed for the second album. And uh, we're gearing up for our first show, I guess, first show of the new year, which will be uh, January 6th um, at a new venue called The Wicked Lady. So it's a new spot I'm not familiar with. Um, we're going to be on the rooftop, apparently. Oh. And um, I guess climb the building if you want in the spirit of the day. Uh, but yeah, it, it'll be fun. We're playing with uh, Sentient Horror from New Jersey, Sarmat from uh, New York, and... Um, our boys, torturous inception. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know about any of like the Beatles. You guys are gonna be on the rooftop. Of course. <laughs> that's, that's that's amazing to me. Yeah. On, in January, right? That sounds like the best time to be on the roof. Yeah. In New Jersey or New York? Where is it? As, yeah, in Brooklyn. So in Brooklyn. Yeah. Maybe it's heated, or maybe it'll be like when we played the Knockdown Center, and I literally played the coldest show of my life mm. when it was about forty degrees inside, and they refused to turn on the heat. Yeah, if you it, remember. Uh, yeah, if you remember that show. It was the appropriate. It was my dream come true because it was the appropriate temperature for me. Because I'm, I'll I'll start sweating profusely if I have to tie my shoe, let alone perform a <laughs> show. But yeah, for the guitarists, that's very difficult. The, the cold fingers, that sort of thing. Yeah, and that's to go on a crazy tangent. I was I was just so offended by that moment because they had like an art gallery happening beside us before yeah. the event. And it's a giant open warehouse space, and they had this place fully heated. So they had HVAC going on in that room with nobody in there, while the venue space that we played adjacent to it with a thermostat had no heat. And this was like in the middle of February. It must have been like 15 degrees outside. 
So you literally had like this open space heated up with nobody in it and a death metal show next to it, you know, which is kind of like the epitome of a death metal show, right? It's yeah, like you're not even yeah. going to get paid. You're just going to freeze your ass off too yeah, while you yeah. play this gig. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, it, you know, it, it it was there was something else over there. Man. I, I I remember that man. I remember the, the gig you're talking about, Bearing Teeth from Texas. Yes, sir. Yeah, and the, yep. yeah, and let's take the band from Texas and let's stick them out to play in the cold too. It was a, <laughs> there was there was a cruel hand of, of fate uh, in, involved that night, man. In the in the dealings, man. You definitely, but. You mentioned Torturous Inception from Staten Island. Um, we're talking about playing all these shows. Sometimes you, you take them as they come. You, you slug them out, man. A young band from Staten Island that is uh, currently slugging it out and taking it as it comes and trying to get their name out. None other than Fester Gore. And I was able to catch up with a few of those guys uh, a little bit earlier and put, put them through the gamut, man. Like I say, we're, we're still interviewing lots of uh, wonderful New York artists as we go into the new year uh, in this episode. Mike check one two one two. Mike check one two one two. <laughs> awesome. This is Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast. Right now, I'm here with Andrew and Ryan from Fester Gore of New York City. Uh, we'll clarify that. Um, and uh, and we're waiting for for your drum. Waiting on the drummer. Waiting on the. No, I'm just playing. Shout out to Steve. 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 The drummer is going to come by uh, soon on this. Um, that's true though, man. You're always waiting on somebody in the band. Sometimes it's the drummer. Sometimes it's the bass player. There's always that guy, but. Um, shout, shout to him, man. Now, uh, first of all, we've been going for a few minutes behind the scenes, man. So, uh, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Of course, man. And I want to jump right in because we were kind of talking behind the scene. Um, now, I know, like, I know there's a Staten Island connection. Are you? Would you say the band is a Staten Island band, or do you guys come from different boroughs in New York City? So. I'm originally from the Lower East Side, Manhattan. Um, I grew up there for like half my life. And then I moved out to Staten when I was like nine, ten years old. But I still went to school out in Manhattan until high school. And then I went to high school in uh, on Staten Island. Well, uh, I'd say I'm a, I'm a transplant. What was it like as a kid getting transported from Staten Island to Manhattan for school? Was that like a long commute or... Oh, it sucked, bro. I had to wake up at four thirty every morning. I sound like oh. an old fuck right now. I had to, I had to wake up at four thirty every morning. I'd have to hop on the Staten Island Railroad, take it to the ferry. From the ferry, I'd hop on the M fifteen, and then it dropped me off at St. James Place, where I went to school. As a kid, as a teenager, you doing this? As a kid, I was like nine years old doing this. Oh God, man, that's crazy. That's we've we've talked before because. Um, Shout to the guys in Torturous Inception. We've had Tyler on separately and, and um, Devin and Dustin on in their own episode. And we talked at length about what it's like to, to get from Staten Island to other parts of the tri-state area, we'll just say. Um, oh, and, yeah. it, and it's not always easy, man. So that, that right there is a mouthful, what you said. So, um, Ryan, we're going to get to you if, if you're patient, man. But I always do this when I got a few different uh, members of the band. I try to get a little bit of your backstory before the band. Um, so, so Andrew, quickly, the, the typical heavy hole question now, um, 
Are you from a musical family, musicians older than yourself, or anyone who gets you into heavy metal and, and hard music uh, growing up? So I, I'm i thankful for the era that I grew up in. I grew up in the 90s, so there was a lot in the area that I grew up in. So my family listened to music. They weren't really performers. My mother sang, but like it was just like at home type deal. Um, but my uncle, what he would do, you you familiar with the the tape trading scene out in Delancey or, or uh, Chamber Street? Uh, n- no, actually, could you catch me and the listeners up to speed with what that would be? If I'm not mistaken, back in like the '90s, like everyone, like every like every musical, like every musician for the most part would just basically trade tapes out in the Lower East Side, which I'm really thankful for, just because like it was just a very musical area. I mean, crust punk came from out there. Uh, shout out Naja. Um, but yeah, my uncle would get a lot of like, like old old school mixtapes, ta- mix and that's how I got into hip hop, like that era. Um, with metal, I had to discover that one on my own, really, just because like I came from like a old school Puerto Rican family, so that wasn't really accessible. Okay. Like my, <laughs> think like it's the devil's music. My mother thought it was the devil's music. You know, um, hmm. funny enough, I remember this was like 2000, 2001, like when I first got into the first System of a Down album, and I started wearing black jeans, black shirts. You know, and my mom was just like, "Oh, this is just a phase." Has their attitude softened? Has uh, t- towards it at this point, or? Um, yeah, they kind of grew to accept it. And, um, funny enough, like I'm kind of passing the torch right now with my son. Like we'll literally listen to autopsy. We'll listen to the, uh, the mall debut wharf lurch, you name it. Like, and it's funny <laughs> Look at the shirts that I'm wearing. And if it's like the album cover, like if I'm wearing like my psychedelic realms of hell shirt, look at it and just yell swamp, like not even wharf lurch. Like he just yells swamp. And funny enough, Swamp Thing from a uh, single from War Flourish is actually his number one requested song on Spotify on car rides. And that's how he falls asleep in the car. Amazing. My, may I ask, would you mind sharing how old your son is? He's three years old. Okay, he's got to be officially the youngest War Flourish fan. Um, if, if Warf- <laughs> shout to War Flourish, though, man. Um, oh, yeah. Mike and War Flourish, yo. Yeah, shout- Honestly, if it weren't for Mike, and if it weren't for Warflurge, I wouldn't be playing death metal right now. I'd probably still be struggling playing black metal. Wow. Yeah. Well. You, yeah. You touched on the black metal, um, New York City thing, which which was interesting to me. I want to get to that, but if we if we could uh, if I could stop you there for one minute and catch Ryan up to speed. We also got Ryan, your your vocalist, on the line. Um, Ryan. Hey, Daddy, Quick, yeah, same same line of questioning, really. Um, what what part of New York are you from, or, or where are you from uh, exactly? How do you how do you come to be involved in this band? Is it a Staten Island Island band? And any musicians in your family or people that get you into hard music early on? Um, I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm Staten Island, uh, born and born and raised. Uh, been here all my life. Um, so not uh not not quite as interesting a story as uh. Andrew has, you know, um, I live out here by, uh, 
the neighborhood's called Midland Beach. It's uh, it's really close to the beach on Staten Island. Uh, pretty interesting neighborhood. Uh, but um, as far as musically, I I actually came up. Uh, my mom is very big into like Motown and disco and stuff. So I actually grew up on a lot of that. Uh, no musicians in my family. I was actually uh, kind of the first musician in my family. I uh, I picked up the guitar when I was like 13 years old. Um, and I've been playing ever since for that matter. But uh, kind of on the cheese, it's kind of cheesy, but I actually got Guitar Hero as a gift when I was like uh, 12 years old. And I kind of uh, fell in love with like classic rock and hard rock and uh <clears throat> kind of like the the classic kind of metal stuff. Um, listen to that for a large portion of my life. Along with like, uh, I, I try to keep it pretty unique: uh, blues, jazz, you know, a little country stuff like that. But um, as far as kind of more extreme metal styles, it's believe it or not a pretty new venture for me. I, I kind of started getting into the original kind of American death metal stuff from the early '90s. I want to say within the last two years and um, you know, Andrew is kind of like an encyclopedia to me for all this kind of stuff. So I've been uh, trying to catch up um, as, as we're going along. It's uh, <clears throat> it's well, it's, it's a, it's not a race. It's a journey, man. Um, I, I, I hear now this, this is there. Let me ask you this. Is there an average age to the band or do you guys range in different ages? Um, so three out of four of us are in our thirties. Um, Ryan's the baby of the group. He's in his late twenties. Okay. Uh, got it, man. And now you, you, Andrew, you touched on something before about black metal being bigger in Brooklyn than death metal. I think you said what were your words? Um, and we recently just did a whole episode about searching for Long Island black metal, and we're going to do another one, and the idea that black metal is a little more sparse than death metal in New York. But I feel like in New York City, <coughs> excuse me, especially in generations younger than mine, maybe people in their 30s and 20s, black metal is a lot bigger in New York City than I realize. Oh, yeah. So, actually, one of my good friends, <laughs> old roommate, uh, Jesse, and Jose, uh, vocal guitarist and vocalist, um, respectively. Um, they're in a band called Ordeals. Um, they're more of a black death doomy type of band, but I feel like they tread more along the lines of the black, like the Greek black metal style. Like I hear a lot of Greek influence in there. Um, they're actually hitting it big right now. They're getting ready to head over to Iceland actually tomorrow. That, that's where you want to be playing black metal, as I understand. Oh yeah, I like any any Scandinavian country for the most part. Like if you got that, if you if you have that unique black metal sound, like you'll do well over there. Wow. So but, so so now that we're talking about black metal, what you said before, you said. Uh, shout out to Mike Colby, Warflurch, um, and uh, uh, Postulated. I hope I said said that right. Uh, you said that if it wasn't for him, you'd still be playing black metal. Yes. And the reason I say that, listening to Warflurch for the first time, like I was like I was still listening to death metal, but I was pre- I was dominantly like predominantly listening to black metal. When I heard Warflurch for the first time, I heard something in music that I hadn't heard in a very long time. 
and it was just the ex like just the experimental side of it and just how much fun you could actually have with it like just the fun aspect you know what i mean like <clears throat> black metal is it's it's very militant it's very straightforward like just frostbitten grimness type deal you know like I, like i love black metal i love first wave second wave all the new stuff that's been coming out especially like Absu, um who else there, there's just so many bands especially like in america like it usually gets overlooked like wolves in the throne room in this new age uh you have spite there's actually a label out here um stygian black hand records who dominant like who for the most part puts out a lot of black metal so you have spite uh, who came out with Anti-Mosaic back in like 2018, 2019 timeframe. Uh, you have Jesse's other band, um, Impure. Um, say, uh, I think it was uh, Satan's Eclipse they put out in like 2020, 2019 timeframe. <laughs> phenomenal piece, phenomenal piece of music there. Absolutely. Um, funny enough, he actually released Holder's like debut demos and EPs, if I'm not mistaken, before... Uh, they ended up going to twenty bucks spin. Okay, so and, and and that's a New York based label. Yes, okay. Black Hands a New York based label okay. for the most part. It was living in Missouri for a little bit, but then he moved back. Okay. But it's always been it's always been black metal. Same thing with um, horns and hooves. Um, that's that's grit. That's more grittier street black metal, but I love it. Like. Funny enough, one of my favorite songs from him has to be uh, "Cuckolded by Satan." <laughs> so, you, but what you're saying is, as much as you love black metal, there's something about death metal, particularly uh, what what Warflirch did for you that that you felt was a little bit more liberating somehow. Yes, because I originally started with death metal. Like when I, so I started with thrash metal. Obviously, like the big gateway was Slayer. Um, and then afterwards, I found Cannibal Corpse. My favorite album was when I got it at 15 for Christmas from a friend of mine from school. was uh, Tomb of the Mutilated. Um, that was my first true love, death metal. Um, and then I got further and further into it, just borderline obsessive. And it was just nonstop death metal and guar at that point huh. in time. Okay, so tell me about being on Staten Island and trying to go to underground shows were, did you have to go to other boroughs or was there things going on in Staten Island back then? For the underground, back in like the mid-2000s, you had Dock Street. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Um, you had some local bands, like you had a thrash band, like two thrash bands around that time, Sanitarius um, and Betrayal. Um, with Sanitarius, you had a few guys splinter off from there um, with Betrayal. You had that splinter off as well um, into like the later 2000s, like the 2010s to 2020s. You had bands like Cicada Form. You had bands like um, from Betrayal. Uh, you had bands like my old band, Vexation Form from Sanitarius. Like just that whole crew for the most part. Um, okay. But it was either Dock Street, it was Martini Red, it was The Cup, Muddy Cup, whatever cup. It was nicknamed. It was the venue was there, or like if you ended up going to Cargo, you'd play a show there. But 
nobody ever wanted to play cargo because the sound quality always sucked there. So, so that's that's a, quite a few. Ve- I mean, stat for the size of Staten Island, it's quite a few venues. Would you say the Staten Island scene is a little bit isolated from the rest of New York, like in that in that regard that you'd like you don't necessarily have to go to Manhattan or Queens, like and and maybe it's a little bit more of a trek, so people will stay and and be part of the local scene there on Staten Island. So here's the problem with that. Unfortunately, for the amount of musicians that we have out here that are actually doing other projects, like. You have to go to Brooklyn. You have to go to Queens. You have to go outside of Staten Island to not even just like see another show, but like just to network with the bigger scene that's out there. Because Staten Island, yes, we have a good amount of musicians out here. We have a good amount of bands, but it's, I feel like lately, like it's actually starting to become more consolidated. Like we're actually getting to a point where it's, like Staten Island will actually kind of stand on its own, kind of like Long Island, believe it or not. Mm. I I, like, I I hope that people are seeing that that Long Island is starting to be its own territory, so to speak, in terms of music. Like I I definitely wanted to come out to Long Island, especially like the Mr. Beery show, which I was really excited for because it was that show specifically. It was such a mix. And I love whenever there's shows like that, because like if you want heavy metal, you got heavy metal. You want black metal, you have some black metal. You have some doom metal there, you have some death metal there. Like it's just a nice mix of everything. Like I love shows like that because it just showcases all the best parts of metal, period. Not even just death metal. Well, so speaking now of of uh festival like getting getting up to the point where you where you start fester gore because it sounds like you know Warflurch is actually a big inspiration and that's a fairly new band in the last several years themselves um I, how let's let's get up let's get up to to linking up to the with the other guys i know you mentioned that you and the drummer steve initially had started as a project right so before me and steve actually linked up this was a studio project. Like I was just doing this in my basement. Like I was just coming up with riffs and my friend Rob, I've known him 12, 13 years now. Um, he's actually based in Michigan and we were just going to do this as like a studio based project. He was going to do drums and I was going to do everything else. He got caught up with other stuff. I was caught up with vexation and my speed metal project that I had going on as well as this. And it kind of took a back burner and like, I want to say July 2020, like it just kind of sat there. And then in 2021, like September, like after my, my old band opened for in human condition and crusadist, um, when they came to pugs, um, I kind of noticed like vexation wasn't really like doing anything anymore. Like it was just like, like, cause that was my baby, you know, like that band was my baby and it sucked that I had to just let it die out. But I was just like, I want to, I want to keep playing. These guys didn't want to keep playing. So I ended up linking up with Steve and Steve wanted to see what, what I was about. I showed him what I was about and then the rest is history for the most part. Okay. And then, now, how Ryan, how do you come into the mix? And you come into the mix not from a death metal background, I take it? Uh, no, this is actually a pretty good story. Um, 
I uh, I, I think I was just like putzing around at home one day and um, I actually got a, a, I received a text message from Tommy from Tombstoner and he asked me if I would be interested in playing uh, bass in a, I believe he said it would be a slam band or something like that. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, I'm a guitar player by nature. So I, you know, it, it's not really, and it's not really in my bag of tricks, but uh, I was open to the idea and just trying to see if uh, I can give a, give it a go and figure it out. Um, a couple, literally two, three minutes later, Andrew sends me uh, a message. Um, we had met at like a couple of Tombstoner shows, I, I believe, right? I think we had met yeah. at some, some point at that. Um, but, you know, he texts me saying, how would you feel about doing vocals in my death metal band? Huh. And the two people had reached out to me in, in such a short amount of time that I, I had to ask him. I was like, are you, are you guys asking about the same thing? And he said, yeah, you know, like Tommy's mistaken. Like, I want you to do vocals. And I've never been a vocalist in my life in, in any capacity. So I had to ask why he thought I, I, I could do it. And Andrew just said, I have a hunch, like come down to the studio, give it a go. And um, yeah, I, I gave it a go. If you, I always tell him this, if, if you just happen to catch me at the right place at the right time, at the right moment, because like uh, if he would have caught me any other moment, I probably would have said no. Huh. But um, he just kind of caught me at a good time, so I, I, I went for it, and um, yeah, here we are today. All right, well, I mean, you you did it. You kept, you know, it's not like you, you just did it once. Now you guys have been playing shows. You guys have been getting out there a lot um, lately, and you have some more shows booked. Tell me about, so you never did any kind of vocals at all, and that, and then you just started doing death metal vocals. Like, Like, was there a was there a go-to band that you listened to was there a technique that you that you figured out for yourself was there like did you was there somebody you were watching on youtube or something like tell me about jumping into death metal vocals um i honest uh, <clears throat> to be honest i, I don't think I, I didn't really seek to emulate anybody i think i kind of just uh tried to make my voice sound as like hoarse and deep as it possibly could and whatever comes out comes out but uh, I had already started to get into uh, like Cannibal Corpse and like Death and uh, Death and Obituary and uh, a lot of that early stuff. Um, so that's that was kind of I guess the idea there. And um, yeah, you know that that's really it. I, I I didn't seek to emulate anybody specifically. I I think it was just kind of I just kind of went for it. Do you think now this is just kind of a general question I ask a lot of people on the podcasts uh, from different age groups and, and that sort of thing. I'm 40. You guys are like, you know, different ages, but you're all from a different generation than me. Death metal is obviously big now. Metal itself, all different types of metal are experiencing a bit of a resurgence the last several years. Um, but that, that what you just said, that old school American style of death metal, that kind of raw death metal. Undeath is a great example of this, too. Yeah. 
Um, the younger younger generation just coming out and loving that. And it's not just the bands; it's it's the it's it's the people at the shows and the supporters and the fans, so to speak, as well, man. Um, what do you, I, I would like to get your guys' perspective on that. Is that what you see? And and why do you think it's it's so death metal is so popular nowadays as opposed to maybe ten years ago? Um, I, I mean, I, I think Andrew probably has a better answer to that. But as far as what you know, I've witnessed uh, myself just in kind of my short stint here. Um, like people are just really dedicated to this, you know, to 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 metal in general. Like uh, we were, we were talking about Jeff and Rage uh, before before we came on uh, promoter out here in Staten Island, and uh, uh, after our uh, one of our shows uh, for Halloween, he made some kind of social media post, and I think he summed it up pretty well. Like. Uh, I forget exactly what he said, but it, it was something to the effect that, like, you know, metal, like death metal uh, fans are, are some of the most dedicated, like, of, of any music genre out there. And um, it's just so, it, it's so cool, especially as kind of a new experience for me to just, you know, finish up at a show and have so many people so enthusiastic about what's going on. Okay, uh, Andrew? So, one thing I noticed from pre-pandemic to post-pandemic, that's the best way I can analyze it. Pre-pandemic, you're so used to everyone going to shows, like everyone coming out, having fun, this, that, and the third. And then once everything shut down, like there was no more shows or no more going out. Once... I want to say like restriction restrictions kind of lifted. There was such an influx of people just dying to get out, like just dying to get out to shows. I was one of them. Like as soon as like restrictions lifted, like I made a beeline back to the scene and there are so many other people that did the same thing. And for perfect example, we played at Kingsland on a Monday night with um Sendiet. Shout out to Sendiet. Um I Destroyer and Insight. And I'm not gonna sit here and say it was a packed house, but like there were some heads in there. <laughs> like there were some heads in there for a Monday night. And you wouldn't have seen that a few years ago. I don't think so at least. Not from what I've seen. And it's it's just baffling to me, like just how much more dedicated people are now and i think it's just it kind of has to do with the fact like oh i don't know if this is going to go away again type deal you know mm. i think that definitely plays a big part in it man um I, I I think sometimes I'm looking for like a bigger philosophical point to it but i think that that's part of it and i think it's also part of it that uh uh, th- these things kind of naturally go in, in cycles, you know, the popularity of metal and the, the amount of, of bands, the amount of people in it, man. So it's, you know, it, 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 it is what it is kind of, you know. Um, so moving forward now with Festergore, you guys have recently released, uh, I guess you could call it your debut EP, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Synchronizing the Cosmos. That's Cosmos with a K, right? Yep. And a Z. And <laughs> N- a Z. And a Z. That's right. So... Uh, and I gotta say, I love dead ass death metal, man. That's awesome, man. You guys, uh, uh, hashtag dead ass death metal. Um, uh, that's the first I've seen of that. That's real New York shit right there. So, uh, 
Uh, Thank you. Of course. Synchronizing the Cosmos. Let's talk a little bit about that. Those four songs, are those, are those part of what we, what you were writing in the basement by yourself, or did that did those come along after the other members uh, started collaborating on this with you? And tell me a little bit about the recording process. So the first two tracks, Festering Gore and Surrender to Madness, those I kind of, tool, it was a combination of tooled with down in the basement and old riffs that I had. Funny enough, the chorus riff in Surrender to Madness, I'd written that in 2013. And that was like one of the first death metal riffs that I wrote like while I was on like a big black metal riff writing spree. And I was just like, this is way too heavy for what I'm doing right now. Let me let me back pocket this. Fast forward like almost 10 years later and it's just like I found a home for it um it's awesome that you kept it in the pocket like that oh yeah like I I love that riff so much that it's just too heavy I I could not keep that but moving forward the other two songs uh the view from halfway down and loss of the bog the view from halfway down is like I'd say like 90% Tommy. Um, I contributed the last riff. I helped with some song arrangement and I threw some synth on there. But for the most part, that was Tommy. And then with Lost to the Bog, that was more of a collaborative effort. And that was a step in the direction that we're kind of in now, I'd say. Because those first two tracks, like, they're very straightforward, like death metal, death thrash type sounding vibes because I was just coming off from playing black thrash. So it was just like, you know what? All right, I get it. Huh. And I finally broke out of that box. So are you guys planning on like, uh, are you, I mean, you're, I, I take it you're already writing for an album or a next release or? Yes, we're writing for a full length now. That's oh. the plan for sure. Um, I think we started writing, I want to say like around the time we finished recording. Okay, man. Like, so I mean, I mean, we had already started, uh, uh, working on a song that's going to wind up on the full length, I think, bef- uh, before the, the EP even really dropped. Yeah. SMA. Yep. SMA. So Ryan, Having picked up death metal vocals, are you now contributing? Because you said you're more of a guitarist by trade. Are you are you writing death metal now too and contributing to the band on that level? Yeah. Um. So, uh, tell the story know, about we, what's that? Tell the story about views riff. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> so so <laughs> so so um. Tommy had come to us with this riff and. It just we're we're sitting in the basement. And it just doesn't quite jive, and uh, and Andrew's just sitting there, and he's like, "It sounds too happy," and we're all just like, "Yeah, man, it sounds too happy." And uh, so I'm sitting there trying to think, you know, because it's 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 worked out for us really well because uh, I am a guitar player, and I can kind of um, like I can be a part of that conversation as well to help kind of the song craft like that. And uh, all I did was just basically tell him to flat one note in the entire riff and it changed, it changed the whole vibe. And that's what, that's what we wound up with. 
All right, so that that answers my question right there, man. That's cool, man. That's something I cannot contribute to any of my bands, as as I have a very <laughs> rudimentary understanding of stringed instruments, man. But I, I try. I my my theory is more um, too many chefs uh, spoil the broth or whatever. I stay I stay back and I let those guys work it out, man. But every, every band's got a different dynamic, man. That's interesting to know. So. That being said, you guys are writing for new material, but you're also, like you said, uh, Mother Pugs on the 7th of January. You guys are going to be there with Carnivore AD uh, and Tombstoner. Tombstoner is also from Staten Island, right? Big homies. Homies. Yeah, I caught them at St. Vitus a few months ago, man. I'm trying to think of of what other bands were playing that night, man. Right before they went on tour with uh, Cognitive. Yeah, yeah, Tombstone are making moves out there, man. They definitely had, like, a professional uh, stage presence, you know what I mean? Like, they definitely seemed like they were ready to go out on the road and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Those boys brought beef. For sure, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta talk to them. Maybe we'll get one of them on the on the podcast down the road, man. But um, uh, and also I saw you guys got listed on the fourteenth of January. You're playing the Mill Hill Basement. What's that like a DIY spot? Yeah, I would say yeah. it's bar type setting. I'd say, but I'm just really excited to finally like head off to Trenton. I'm really excited for that because that show, for the most part, is really stacked and not even just stacked like i've known these we played with sentient horror before i've known the vivisect guys for a hot minute now um and cranial damage we played with a juicy lucy um on halloween and they're just a bunch of great guys so i'm really excited for the most part for that show juicy lucy that's a venue out there on staten island yeah but it's closed now closing Mm. i should say Okay, R.I.P. to Juicy Lucy, man. I'm sad I never got to play there. Um, yeah, it was a good spot, but... It was... Yeah, Andrew, sorry, man. No, nah, nah, it's all good. It was a good spot, but... I don't know what happened. That was That's that's beyond us. Like, that's 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 a management thing. Like, I'm not even going to touch on that. Oh, yeah, no. Nah, I was looking through your social media before the interview, and I saw that. I thought Juicy Lucy was the name of one of the, the artists on the show flyer. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't know, I didn't know what was going on out there, man. But, uh, but yeah, uh, moving on then. Um, uh, so you guys are a fairly new band from New York City. We'll say Staten Island. Uh, and and uh, Fester Gore, one word, synchronizing the cosmos. That's cosmos with a K and a Z. Just for our listeners, I got it on Bandcamp. I'm assuming it's on other streaming platforms, right? Yep, we are on Instagram. Uh, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple Music. Oh, we're even on YouTube. All right, man. So all, all the usual haunts for our listeners to check this out. And before we wrap up, I'll give you the opportunity to plug and promote anything else and shout outs and all that. But I always ask each guest of the show to recommend one older release and one newer release, any artist, any genre, demo, album, whatever, just something old and something new. Uh, so if each of you guys wants to take a turn and give those two recommendations for me and the listeners now, we'll do that. Ryan, you go first. Um, for, for, for new, um, I actually just listened to it for the first time the other day. Uh, worms blew nothing. Um, Oh yeah. That was a really good EP. And, uh, as far as old shoot, what am I listening to right now? Hmm. What am I listening to right now? 
I another another thing I, I just discovered uh, funny enough I had to text our drummer Steve like where has this been all my life um cancer's death shall rise yes yeah shout out to cancer yeah mm. I, I was in touch with somebody um from from that band uh a while ago trying to set something up man hopefully we can do that in the future man yeah great band excellent uh l- like legacy act I believe they're still active today I see them pop up on flyers and things right uh, I'm not sure. I, I think yeah. they just come out with something fairly recently. Yeah, right? I, I see their name popping up a lot, man, and they're they're reusing the old stuff. I I, I got to do the research and maybe get one of them on the horn if I can, man. Shout to shout to Cancer. Yeah, good band, man. Um, that's dude. Honestly, that's the funnest part of um of death for me personally, as as evidenced by this podcast history, is is digging up these old obscure death metal bands. Not that Cancer's obscure, but you know, obscure to you type of thing. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, sure polishing off those old gems man so uh and andrew what about you man something old something new or something new so i i listen to you believe it or not like i listen to your podcast and there's a few guys that have said writhing shadows i mm. i love i love that writhing shadows for that full length i'm not gonna say that just because so many people have also said it i'm gonna go with the absolute convergence split that new split with Parallax Occlusion, um, Celestial Sanctuary, Thorn, and Fumes. Yes, yes. That is probably my all-time favorite split of the year. And I love and hate <coughs> that because my other favorite split of the year was Medieval Grime with uh, Puke Wraith and uh, Intestinal Hex. And the fact that Absolute Convergence basically like etched that out of the first place spot for me but i don't feel so bad just because both the dudes in puke wraith and intestinal hex are in fume so it's just like all right that's fine <laughs> yeah. uh for something new or for something old rather um i'm gonna go back to my black metal roots and i'm just gonna go with the uh, old reliable i'd say for me and that's gonna be uh sabbat I'm gonna go with uh, Sabat's mm. uh, Evoke. All right. That's first. I would say like, I would say first wave black metal. Like it has a big first wave black metal sound to it. Like it sounds very thrashy, but with black metal vocals. It's a, it, not the English Sabat for those who don't know the difference. The Japanese Sabat um, with Giesel from uh, Metal Lucifer. Yeah, I that's a band I'm admittedly not familiar. You know, I I I know the name and have seen them around, but I I haven't um uh given them a chance myself, man. Uh and I I thank you for listening to the show. I appreciate what you said, man. And shout to uh Brendan Dean, former guest of the show from Fumes and Gut Void and Puke Wrath and a bunch of other projects. Um behind behind the scenes waiting on me, man. He sent me a couple of files. I have, I still have to check out, man. I'll get back to you, Brendan. Uh but yeah, a lot of good projects. And I th- I think that split you they're all they're all Canadian projects. Parallax Parallax yeah. Occlusion. Parallax yep. the Parallax Occlusion is a really cool project too from Canada. I love that band so much and it pains me to hear the fact that they're going on ice for a while. I I don't think it's gonna be forever. I feel like they're gonna get back at some point when they're rejuvenated, you know, like just um, what was it? Uh, Rasterize, like it was a uh, Rasterize Death Metal or Ray Traces of Death. That was 
that was a EP that they came out with last year mm. on uh, Gurgling Gore and uh, Blood Harvest. And that was one of my favorite releases from last year. And I already know they're going to bring the heat again with this next release that they're working on right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I'm I'm sure they're they're gonna be consistent, man. Awesome band for the Parallax Occlusion. Awesome band for the listeners to check out, along with all that other stuff you guys just brought up. Um, so Andrew and Ryan, I appreciate you guys' time uh, to talk a little bit about your experience in death metal and in this band, uh, Festergore. I encourage the listeners, like I said, to go on their streaming platform of choice, synchronizing the cosmos with a K and a Z in the cosmos there. Four song EP 2022, uh, 1-7 at Mother Pugs with Carnivore AD and Tombstoner and uh, 114 at Mill Hill Basement in Trenton, man. Um, guys, uh, parting words, uh, big shout outs, uh, and anything like plugs, anything like that for other uh, listeners. Yo, shout out to the Fester fam out there. I love you all. Thank you for just supporting us just from the jump uh, without even knowing exactly what we were about until we actually dropped some stuff, you know, it, it's, it was crazy just seeing like, just everyone just giving it a shot and actually vibing with us as hard as y'all do. You know, it's, it's baffling to me still to this day. Like it's, it hasn't even been a year and everyone's just driving with it. And shout out to Tombstoner also big homies who else ryan who else um shoot i mean you took the words right out of my mouth i was i was i was gonna say uh we talk about it all the time how absolutely kind of insanely grateful we are that uh people are are really um like positively receiving um the ep and and, and stuff and just it's 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 been pretty uh it's been so awesome it's been really an awesome experience <clears throat> shout out to tombstone though those big homies big homies also, Check out death metal also get ready 2023 yeah by yep. the by the time people hear this uh this podcast it's going to be a lot closer to 2023 too man so um like i said thank you guys man shout out to tombstoner man we'll talk to one of you guys eventually down the road uh, and shout out to the rest of your band, man. Um, we'll be on the, on the lookout for you guys down the road, too. Fester Gore, man. Andrew and Ryan, thank you very much for joining me tonight, man. Thanks for having us. For having us. Of course, yep. man. Big shout to the guys in Festergore from Staten Island, man. I appreciate them joining the program this evening and letting us know a little bit be, a little bit about the uh, the men behind the project. Um, wish them the best in the future going forward. As I go forward, though, on this episode, Terrell, you're still with me. Yeah, I'm still here. Shout out to Uncle Festergore. Yeah, <laughs> Uncle Festergore. Yeah. Um, I, I At this point, I think I think those guys could call us uncle. Those young guys, next generation guys, man. But... While we're helping all the guys, young and old, out there do their homework, uh, Terrell, I believe that you brought a proper recommendation in the spirit of the show. More than one, but we'll we'll do we'll do one at a time. Oh yeah, we got a double banger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So 
you know, let's let's start off with um, Unfathomable Ruination. The album is Finitude. Um, it's a full length that came out from the band in 2016. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a UK tech brutal death battle uh, a band, however you want to call it. It's a brutal tech, tech brutal, whatever. Um, <laughs> but this album was absolutely phenomenal. I, I remember it kind of just, it caught me just at the right time. And uh, when I was looking at this as a recommendation, I was like, okay, when did this album come out? You know, probably 2019, 2018. And then I looked, it was 2016. It's reminding me how fast time has gone. Right. Um, but this this album is just so memorable. I just I just remember it. Um, once again, that brutal tech. These guys are all over the place, but in a sick way. It's not like your quantized, ultra sterile tech. There's some organic quality to the feel and um, production. Um, even the writing style. It's it's kind of uh, I don't know. They really it just really uh, synced up with my brain when I heard them. Because um, you ever you ever listen to a band and you like really understand their writing style or you kind of kind of sync up with them, and and you hear parts and it's like oh shit I wish I kind of wrote that part mm-hmm. <laughs> or you completely you see where they're going with stuff like yeah. it was just completely up my alley and um, I would recommend this to anybody that loves you know the stuff that we love right you know Afterbirth, um, you you know you just your futuristic tech right yeah um, malignancy stuff like that. Um, Will, what did you think about it? Um, well, when you said it was brutal tech, tech brutal, like that's that that's a good description of this genre, is brutal tech, tech brutal. It's like, or like malignancy. Yeah, it's it's just like this kind of like ultra brutal death metal that veers over the tech. It's not flashy tech death. It's just like, I don't know, man. Um, machine like tech death. But the thing about these guys, I miss a lot of bands from that kind of subgenre because. There, there's a lot of bands that blur together that play the, this style of death metal, and um, these guys really stood out. Another thing is that this and the other release you brought both stood out for the production and the drum sound, and for when I listened to both of them just sit like sitting and facing two speakers and listening to the album, and it's it, it's got amazing clarity and production, real real sounding drums, and you can hear all those little transitions and um changes in, in rhythm and 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 uh the, the little technical parts just all the more better it's it's a really um, it's like a unique album you know it's relentless and it's blasting but in in a way that sounds more i, I guess organic and therefore a little bit more impressive than sometimes some some bands are produced to sound like it's definitely not sterile produ- production and for 2016, even I'm sure it stood out for a lot of the releases that year, you know, of this caliber yeah. for that reason. Yeah, for sure, man. And uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't even think about it. I definitely am in really in tune with the drum sounds on releases. So I'm glad you picked up on that on those two records, those two recommendations, because I do love this drum sound. It's it's clear. And even going back to the Naraxis one. You know, it's it's brutal, it's over the top, but it doesn't sound like a computer. It sounds like a human, and like they're they're trying something. You know. Yeah, yeah, they're pushing uh, it. A hundred percent, man. Um, re- yeah, really cool stuff. And like, if, if if you're like me, and occasionally you do lose track of new releases and things that are coming out, and maybe don't always, um, uh, you know, keep up with like the 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 most 
brutal tech tech brutal releases that are out there. I did not. I, I've I've heard this the, this band's name around and seen the name around here and there, but I didn't listen to this album when it came out. And uh, had you not suggested it today, I, pr- I probably would have uh, not you know listen to it for some time to come so this was really cool man i really appreciate this it's like definitely i would i would put this in the same league as like your your defeated sanities and your wormed of the world you know what i mean yeah. it's it's that that tier of of brutal tech deck tech brutal but um listenable and with personality itself too you know it doesn't it's not just static brutal facts yeah good good shit man 100% unfathomable ruination with their album uh, Finitude uh, from 2016, man. Perfect. Oh, and that was, uh, oh, that was on Severed. Severed. Yeah, Severed. Appreciate that, I man. Big shout out to Tom bringing the audio in and out again. And speaking of Tom, Tom, uh, I want him to know we are now going to recommend our second Brazilian metal album of the year. Um, going back, I, I recommended a little sarcastic last time uh, for the listeners that are following in order. Now, I recommended for you, Terrell, um, Sarcophago, uh, The Laws of Scourge album. From yeah, 19, 1991, old old school classic here. Um, just for the listeners, we haven't really discussed Sarcophago a whole lot. We don't discuss a whole lot of black metal to begin with. Sarcophago obviously being like one of the, I guess you could say, first wave bands that influenced a lot of those Norwegian bands and gets a lot of the credit. And they're, the thing about them is their discography is a little, if, if you're just coming at all of it at once, from you know from 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 a newer angle and you you know you're not one of these OG guys that watched it happen it's a little spotty and it's like a little not sp- I guess spotty but you know like like there's different sounds there's definitely yes. different styles represented through the their catalog and I didn't always know like which album was the classic album which album was this album I, you know like I I kind of have like got it down now that like the there was the first three original albums and then there's other material that would that would follow and um, that's where they, so, so long story short, the reason I want to recommend this one, the laws of scourge is because it's probably the most accessible for a lot of listeners to this show. I would imagine definitely people know me and you know, where my tastes lie if they listen to this show a lot. So it's like, that is the kind of essential, like almost like, like death thrash crossover, somewhat technical album. You know, with still a lot of those elements of first wave black metal and kind of what I really love about this is that it it rings some of those bells of like early um, pestilence and early death and that yeah. kind of even hell, that. hell witch a little bit like like just that death threat, that real tight, clean, somewhat technical, you know, musically competent death thrash of the early 90s. Um, that I really enjoy, but also they, you know, the, the, the synthesizer parts, 
Um, th- it's those, a good taste. yeah, yeah. There's some really cool evil atmosphere, kind of like in the middle there, to add a lot of personality, man. So this, yeah, this album. I know that like uh, INRI or Rotting are probably like the two more cult ones that a lot of black metal bands maybe revere and are in- inspired by. But this album definitely an ex- a great access point to Sarcophago. I think for the more death metal minded fan um like me so i i um i honestly you know i hadn't sit, sat down and given this whole album a chance um up until a few weeks ago so i wanted to bring this in uh terrell any thoughts on this yeah no i thank you for bringing this to my attention because uh like we were discussing i'm more familiar with inri and that has a very distinct sound which is very different from the laws of scourge mm. which is just the follow-up um album and you could tell they really grew and progressed as musicians because it's a lot, if not, you know, most of the same members. Um, but that first album was very raw, black metal, almost like war metal, which we'll yeah. get into. But um, it reminds me a lot of, you know, Morbid Visions and Bisul Devastation era Sepultura, which makes sense when you're looking at the timeline. 86 for Sepultura, 87 for Sarcophago and Inri. Mm. Um, but Loss of Scourge, like you said, it, it kind of... Um, reminded me of like those bands you're mentioning even like x hoarder and um believer i was getting like a technical Mm. thrash kind of thing because Mm -hmm. the guitars are just like so stepped up and there's a lot of like tapping parts there's a lot of trills there's a lot more detail into the melodies and stuff which you know which like if you're like a real purist a raw purist you may it may turn people off but i think it still fits the vibe of the band it sounds like progression and just sounds like they were at a different point um in 91 Uh, yeah this is awesome i think another album if i'm not mistaken from 91 as well i'm pretty sure it was 91 uh destruction uh released from agony um, my personal favorite destruction album and probably, uh, probably, the, probably the album where a lot of people who are cult black metal guys might veer off from destruction because their very early material prior to that is, um, celebrated as some of, some of the, the very primordial beginnings of black metal and first wave black metal or so on. And then by the time they put out release from Ag- Ag- agony, again, that's a much more refined kind of musically flashy technical type of al- death thrash uh, album i guess you could say so i see a parallel there too in what you're saying so like this is this is definitely not the most cult album they have but uh for death metal fans this might be a great uh access point man you know like you said those first two albums are a little bit more raw black metal war metal style so there's there's you know it, it depends on what your personal preference is i guess yeah, it's un- undeniably solid too. And if production's a problem for some people, then this is perfect because it's super clean. Yeah, almost like that Scott Burns kind of type of production. Exactly. It's it, you know for '91 and for all those old Sepultura, old Death, old Pestilence. Like, there's just something about it that, um, uh, it it's it stands up that stands the test of time and can if you're in the mood for that sort of thing it's right there with a lot of those classic old malevolent creation even a lot of those old mm. old bands that rely on a lot of thrash metal in the in their classic death metal man this is right there and even with some of that really haunting uh atmosphere by way of the occasional synthesizer parts and accents and things man really cool album and maybe not what people would definitely not what i was expecting of sarcophago yeah definitely 
So check it out. Yeah, 1991 uh, sarcophago with the laws of scourge. Tom, bring them in. Sarcophago, Laws of Scourge, and now we're this is this is like a particularly intense. If, the, if we still got the listeners with us here, hell yeah! You, like you, I I recommended something, and you came back at me with like a like a two piece real quick, man, and comboed me with with your recommendations. I said let's go for both of them. This next one, I'll let you talk, but I did I did enjoy this. This has got this is this was a really cool, unique sounding record where the production did a lot for it. Um, go go ahead. Could you please tell the listeners what it is and your take on it? Okay, yeah, so this release is Obey by the band um, Axis of Advance. And you know me, I had to look for the hipster option. Ah. So, um, you know, everybody knows Revenge and everybody knows Conqueror, but I don't really see people talking about Axis of Advance, you know, bands like Blood Revolt, mm. which has the, uh, the same drummer and guitarist from Revenge. Um, it's usually uh, Jay Reed is like the mastermind of all these projects, the drummer. Um, and I'm a huge fan of his drumming. He has a very distinct style. Yeah. I would say he's an influence, but what's funny about his style is like, no matter what he's playing, it's like that same style hmm. <laughs> and it's kind of undeniable. But, uh, like you said, it's intense and, um, it's got riffs, um, which you kind of lose in the sauce of a lot of, uh, revenge records. Um, but with this guy, um, the third member of war, I guess, um, and when you look at metal archives, you don't see too many other prominent projects, but he's been in, in the band with these guys for a while and obey is just crazy. Like you have kind of clean production for this style, but it's, once again, it doesn't sound, um, obnoxious or clinical. It's Jay Reed at his, you know, blasting aggressively, crazy vocals, crazy guitar tone. I think they have like that HM2 kind of style, but mm. it's not like a sweet death kind of clone this is very much black metal war metal however you want to call it and uh part of the reason why i picked this record is when you mentioned sarcophago once again i thought of inri you think of war metal so i was like i was already on that war metal path so i was like let me see if i can pick something from this and um i love this style of music too because depending on how who you ask um most people call it black metal but to me it's almost like it has a lot of death metal and even grind and gore grind qualities mm. with the pitch shift vocals and the blast and just the guitar tones and everything um so it's just always interesting to think about that debate um even when when you think of bands like imprecation right is that black metal is that death metal um now i'm just going off on a tangent what, what did you think about this album well no i would agree with what you're saying um every everything about this it's it's the type of black metal i like um the band manticore gets uh lumped in with this type of black metal a lot of the time too war metal black metal whatever you want to call it 
And um, this, the thing that stood about out stood out this to me the most, even before I realized it was some of the the guys from that that revenge camp. Um, the production, man, what a production, what a mix, what an audio engineering job on this because it sounds like you're in the room list like watching the band play like listening to the live yeah. audio of the band playing it really does but it but but it also sounds well balanced and everything is distinct the guitars are distinct from the drums and the vocals distinct from every it's just such a perfectly balanced album it's not clinically clean and sterile at all it's just the drums are just jumping off of the speaker the drums are in your room with you it's such a live sounding album but also a very tight and balanced sound i I can't get over the product or compliment the production enough um really cool and like you say the music is that kind of bestial brutal um uh grindcore and death metal influenced black metal that some people call war metal and and whatever um and Normally, that type of music relies a little bit, I think, on the the raw production value and the you know like I like I I like some of that stuff, but the the production value on this really suits it and takes it somewhere else. Um, to hear this type of like really aggressive bestial metal done with a proper audio production, uh, it 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 was captivating. I would love to listen to this in my Jeep, um, you know, full volume, you know, or something like that, man, this definitely worth a spin for the listeners. Even if the, the music genre, subgenre, or style that we're describing doesn't like you always do it for you from an audio engineering perspective. I think this is worth a spin for, for people. Yeah, I completely agree. And I was listening to this on the parkway. So if you're on any, like, densely populated urban highway this is a great album to listen to in the car because mm. it's just aggressive and it'll, it'll get hmm. you through the drive yeah th- yeah this is this is something special that that really stood out and you know I, I listen to a lot of metal um just doing this podcast and researching bands on my own and going back and you know and, and this the something about this really stood out in terms of the audio engineering job and uh, obviously, the band itself is a really great, ripping, brutal band. Um, because if they weren't, you know, no amount of production could save them. Um, cool release, man. De- definitely two. You definitely brought two brutal release, different styles, subgenres of extreme metal, but they're both like equally intense and brutal, and well mixed. I would say. There you go. Try to bring the brutality, bro. Hell yeah, man. So triple B for for just one more time for Tom while he looks it up and brings it back for the listeners. What was that? That was Obey by Axis of Independence. Axis of Advance. That was a brutal one, man. I hope, Tom. I hope you got a, a little a second or two of that in in your own ears, man. <laughs> check check out that that nice palatable mix these guys achieved. Um, 
Terrell, I, I, I like the nice palatable mix that you and I achieved talking Whoa, about these doing? albums. Yeah, how you doing? Of course. Um, big shout to Rick and Dave and Sam and everybody else out there. And, uh, of course, Justin and Tom, the, the whole podcast team. And, of course, the guys in Festergore from Staten Island, young band creeping on the come up from out there. Be sure to check them out. Look out for any new material they, they're soon to drop this year. Um and check us out this year coming up. We got our, uh, you should, probably should have heard our first international guest by now. I believe it should have come out. Also, our first listener requested guest will be coming up very shortly. Um, and we're still going to be keeping our ear to the ground and bringing you the young bands as we uh, prove tonight um, with, with Fester Gore. Shout out to them. And you can keep your ear to the ground and check out our Patreon, Heavy Hole Podcast, patreon.com. Check us out on all the social medias and be part of the part of the experience here. Just leave us a voicemail, Heavy Hole Podcast. Podcast at gmail.com. Leave us an email, heavyholepodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail. The number should be in the description wherever you're listening to this. Uh, tell us what you want to hear us talk about on the podcast, what topics you like. Recommend an album, recommend a band. Uh, I don't talk about something you don't like. I don't know. Within reason, we'll probably put it on the show. You know, we, we, we do need content from time to time. Shout out to Tom Baldone again. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, man, um, Terrell, I appreciate you accompanying me tonight, man. Thank you, man. Yeah, tell Tone he owes me two Patagonias. There, he said they were in back order two months ago, and then I still haven't seen anything. Okay, all right. I don't know, man. It's it's sometimes it's either those Patagonias disappear or you do. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I ain't heard of nothing, <laughs> man. Maybe 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 you go to the store up there. He'll be he'll be like, uh, what was that scene in um, Goodfellas? Where he's tell he's telling uh, Robert De Niro is telling is telling the wife go, go get the dresses they're down no they're down there oh, down there go ahead there. go ahead go ahead oh no <laughs> yeah uh go ahead go ahead down there I got one for you no but um big shout to Tone Baldone man I- I'm sure if you look in the back he's got one oh okay. Swamp and 